Welcome to today's episode of Direct Mail Automation School, the podcast for marketers who are looking for an edge as they deploy direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns. My name is Dennis Kelly. I'm the CEO of Postalytics, the leading direct mail automation platform designed for marketers to deploy automated direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns with the speed, integration, and analytics of digital marketing. Today, we're super excited to have uh, a great guest, Bruce McMeekin. Bruce is the CEO and founder of BKM Marketing, an Inc. 5000 omni-channel marketing agency focused on delivering turnkey results-driven marketing programs for banks and other results-driven B2B and B2C clients. Bruce and his BKM Marketing colleagues assemble high-caliber project teams of seasoned creatives, data analysts, digital and print production experts that help clients get to market effectively and efficiently. BKM also runs a specialty bank merger marketing practice and has executed over 50 mergers and conversions. Uh, Bruce is also a member of the Forbes Agency Council, has been heavily involved in the New England Direct Marketing Association, and has a passion for sustainable marketing that we'll dive into today. Welcome, Bruce. We're psyched to have you on. Well, I'm I'm psyched to be here. This is uh, you know a topic that's we're we're, we're both very excited about. So um, it's nice to actually we're recording one of these conversations. Exactly. We have enough of them offline, right? <laughs> we do. We do. So, awesome. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Thank you. Great, great. Well, uh, you know, before we dive into the details of omni-channel marketing, uh, I, I'd love to hear you tell our audience a little bit about how you got here. You know, what what's the what's the Bruce McMeekin omni-channel marketing origin story, uh, and you know, what led to you founding BKM, and and tell us about you know how things have evolved over time. Sounds good. Um, I, it's not like I think I popped out of my mom and they said, boy, this person's going to be a marketer. But it, it kind of felt like that to me. I was just sort of born feeling um, like I, I was, I, you know, when you get right down to it, marketing is all about solving needs and, and, you know, filling the gap between something that needs to be done and you know, folks that know how to do it. So, um, you know, ended up going to um, a liberal arts school and, closest thing they had to learning about marketing was something called economics. And uh, so me and, you know, a thousand other ec majors, um, you know, learned a lot about how business works. And after college, went to uh, a company that's pretty well known for its marketing. It's called uh, Procter & Gamble. And I I spent two years there. And I I was in the food division. And, you know, people need to eat. They absolutely do. So that was pretty clear. We had the need piece down. But uh, Procter & Gamble, a fantastic company, in the food division, it was really about uh, lard, uh, you know, the obvious lard product, you know, the, 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 the king of all lard products is Crisco. You know, it comes in different forms. It came in an oil. It came in sort of this paste that came with all sorts of things. And then it got translated into cookies. It got, uh, you know, put into Duncan Hines type products and uh, this solid lard form that... Um, it looks a lot like Pringles, and actually, it was Pringles. Um, 
And, and these are products that are very successful, put out by a company that uh, really knows how to do its research and so learned a ton there. But the, the other thing that was uh, interesting, everything cost $1.49. This, this is back, uh, I'm dating myself by that cost, but our, our job was to you know convince the trade that sold all the, the lard products so that you know a dollar forty nine was the right price. So we you know we could do a coupon and make you know actually be a back then a twenty cent coupon was a big deal, and so um, I thought maybe I would do something with my life that didn't cost a dollar forty nine. Moving on, so went back to business school <laughs> to a school that uh, actually uh, was very well known for marketing uh, in Chicago Kellogg School and. Um, Learned a lot about uh, you know the real mechanics of it, so really just sort of fell in love with it. Um, trying to keep this short, um, I, I've I've been alive a long time, so I could talk a long time about my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, coming out of business school, I went into banking, and uh, since I had product management in my background, I got kind of put in that funnel. Ultimately, this leads to direct mail, and um, I. I Started in New York and then uh, ended up working for a traveler subsidiary here, which was a a bank, one of the first branchless banks in the country that was marketing credit cards and trying to create earnings for the travelers. And we did. And that was all about segmentation. We we pioneered uh, a credit card that was aimed exclusively at women, uh, taking the same benefits that are on most credit cards and just, you know, changing them so they would be perceived uh, in a way that satisfied the needs of women. We had a lot of uh, cards for affinity groups, also very targeted. Um, the only one we didn't get, I think, was the Loyal Order of Water Buffaloes. And uh, you know, that, that would be the uh, you know Fred and Barney Club. But uh, we had a lot of fire fire uh, affinity groups and things like that but after a while I, you know, I decided you know it's going to be more fun spending time working for a variety of different clients so I jumped to a strategic marketing consulting firm and ran the financial services practice for them for six years and uh, really um, you know fine-tuned direct marketing even more there to the point where uh, I ended up getting hired by a conglomerate um, of 23 different marketing services firms, mostly in the telemarketing space. Uh, I was responsible for uh, an agency in Braintree, Massachusetts, in Poway, California. Um, and so we had creatives and you know list people and strategists and all sorts of fun stuff, doing all sorts of great work. Um, we were doing such great work that they forgot about us in the conglomerate. And when a recession came, they said, gee, I don't know what these people are doing, but um, I, I guess we don't really need them if I don't know. This is the management of the team. So they uh, shuttered the practice and not, didn't realize they had several hundred thousand dollars worth of strategic creative work that needed to be done. So I uh, went to, uh, we're, we're both south of Boston, so there's this town called Cohasset. They have a town hall. And there was a branding expert at the town hall because I wanted to form a company until I found a job. And she said, some people use their initials. <laughs> so I said, it's absolutely brilliant. We'll do this out. So uh, the, the company became BKM Marketing Associates, Inc. Um, that was 20 years ago. So we've outlived our two-month business plan. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And and uh, so you, you, you had a couple 
$100,000 of uh, strategic creative business that you walked right into, you filled the need, just like you said. Filled, filled the need. Um, fortunately, had other other clients, um, you know, a lot in the financial services space from my times there. So, um, you know, about a year into it, it became apparent that this actually is going to be a company. So, um, made a, a strategic hire, a guy who's still with me, um, Sam Rico. You've, you've had the chance to meet him. He uh, is a guy who knows direct mail better than I, I would put him up against you, Dennis. I, I would. I would not put myself up against Sam Rico. Uh, I can tell okay. you that. <laughs> well, no, he he knows every every little detail, and um, if you need to know a postal reg, um, that's in his brain. So, he's he's often my uh, my first uh, outreach when I have a question. So, <laughs> so he is uh, he is he, the man knows more about direct mail uh, print production and uh, the the channel than anybody I've ever met for sure. Yes, so we, we've put some great peop, uh, account people around him and. At any rate, um, you know, when we were getting started, uh, you know, there's a saying in banking that all money is green. There's a saying if you own an agency, all money is green. So we would we would actually get involved with all sorts of different types of, of programs. And everything from, uh, you know, we had Ritz-Carlton for six years, their destination club, which was really fun. High end, uh, really pushing the production envelope. We had a bunch of tech companies, um, but we still have a lot of banks. And of course, another staple for us is lawn services. Nowadays, we really much focus on lawn services and banking. Everyone asks the you know, question, well, those have absolutely nothing in common. It's like, well, have you ever been to a suburban bank branch that didn't have a lawn? There you go. <laughs> it doesn't work in the city. In urban areas, that joke doesn't work. So... <laughs> Well, that's great. You've got you've got the entire facility covered. That's that's phenomenal. We we do uh, the green on the inside and the green outside. But, exactly, uh, exactly. Well, your 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 background. That's right. That's right. You you you've got you've got a lot of ways you can slice this green angle, uh, and we're going to get into that green angle some more. So, uh, but your background makes then perfect sense uh, as to you know how you've developed such a kind of a, a, a great practice around banking. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a marketer who has an economics background and an MBA, and you've done a heck of a lot of work in, in the banking sector. Uh, so that makes perfect sense. Um, and it seems like, you know, you're mentioning you've got the lawn care and, and, and other types of clients. As you said, you know, at, at the surface level, you would think there's not a lot of consistency between these two things, you know, uh, how can you do them well? Uh, so, but th there has to be some fundamentals there, right. That, that are, are applicable across your B2B and B2C clients, uh, that are not in banking. Um, mm -hmm. can you, can you dive into that a little bit? Uh, let's talk about some of those fundamentals that transcend the vertical. That's a, that's a, a really good question. Um, I think we talked a few minutes ago about you know, needing to solve for a need in the marketplace. I mean, that, that's, that's basically what we help clients do. And um, so you know, there's a couple of styles of, of marketing. You know, one, one is you know, truly need-focused, and then like, let's just 
figure out you know what color the pool water should be should it be blue or pink or, or whatever and, and and solve for that and there's other companies out there that um say we've got this fantastic gizmo and um it can actually make your pool water any color you want simply by putting you know electrodes in that change the color of the hydrogen and oxygen together hmm do people need that? I don't know. So there's this push and pull. So I think, you know, if you're solving for a need, uh, it's much better to get people, especially in a search-oriented marketing world now where it says, geez, I have something in my tooth. I need dental floss. You know, they can find it and Amazon will have it there for you in four hours. Um, that's a, that's solving a need. Um, so that, that's thing one that um, I, I think every every business has in common. You need to solve for that. And that, that's that's kind of how we position things. The other thing um, I'd say that's a universal truth is once you have this need, there's this, we have this mantra called, uh, you know, getting the right message to the right person at the right time. And um, yes, I'm very biased towards direct marketing. Um, Sometimes the right time is when someone's absolutely looking for something. And, um, you know, thank God we had Al Gore solve for that by inventing the internet. That's right. Uh, but um, other times you need to create demand. And I, I think, uh, especially in the financial services business where we're dealing with a commodity, uh, banking is a complete and total commodity. Folks need to make transactions. They'd like to get rewarded somehow for keeping a deposit. They don't want to overpay an in interest. And so very quickly, um, the way to lose in the financial services marketing game is to just compete on price. Marketing makes the difference. It really does. It, it creates this illusion that there's more to it. And if you look at some of the great marketers out there, you know, I'm a huge fan of how Chase has positioned itself multiple brands uh, serving multiple needs they've they've really done a great job <clears throat> with data they have such a huge share of the credit card market they actually understand people's behaviors and they use that to grow their business strategically around the world it, it's it's incredible so what's the right message right person right time list is absolutely everything if you don't put your do your homework on data then don't care what interest you're in you've got to make that happen um, have to use an offer that gets someone's attention. I'll never forget sitting in a San Francisco office of an international delivery company. And they said, you know, we just did all this direct mail. And, you know, we had our branding agency do it. And um, we, 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 we didn't really see any lift in business. So they showed a few pieces of this thing to me. And there was no offer, but worse yet, there was, they didn't ask the, the uh, recipient to do anything. There was no phone number. There was no URL. There was a, it was a complete brand agency. We're getting our brand message out. We're using the mail. Um, and they said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that happens. That happens a lot. Um, you really need to have an offer. Creative is absolutely important, and I'll tell you that the international uh, delivery company had um, in a, you know, a very well-known brand and really nice creative. I mean, the, the, 
the postcards were very captivating a self mail or very captivating um but and it had like one one key message that's a big piece of creative usually that's one key message is the author um but the last piece of piece of right message right person right time use channels that your customers and and targets actually use um it's uh we, we've run into a lot of instances where the CEO of a, a financial institution or any company says, I want to be in the Wall Street Journal. Okay. How many of your customers actually read the Wall Street Journal? We don't know, but that's where we're putting it. <laughs> so, sort of common sense thing. But I hope that answers your question a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Solve no, for a need, put the right message at the right, to the right person. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. And uh, on the flip side, uh, you know, there must be some things that are very particular to banking and financial services, uh, that, that, you know, have allowed you to kind of build this specialty practice, uh, particularly in the mergers and acquisitions area. Uh, so, you know, what, what are, what are some of the things that are maybe a little bit different about that part of your business, uh, compared to your more general B2B and B2C marketing? Sure. Um, well, there's a few things that distinguish, um, you know, banking from a lot of other industries. Um, we already mentioned the fact that it's it's a commodity. Um, you know, people say my bank, they don't say my something else. You know, it's it's a generic term. It's highly regulated in industry, and uh, you know, perhaps and rightly so, one of the most regulated industries, and that impacts how we market every single campaign. Disclosure language absolutely needs to be there, um, and you know also you know banks need to have a presence in the ESG space, and they get um, audited for it every single year by wow. not just one regulator either. I mean, there's you know three or four different regulatory pieces. Data privacy super important, um, and, and in terms of servicing that market, we've had to invest very heavily in a bulletproof. A data platform so that we can you know transfer data safely but also you know analyze it and you know we, we get all the good stuff that nobody wants to have i'm not even going to say how good it is because someone will try and hack us good luck but uh <laughs> it's there um and it's also an industry that's uh, we're experiencing right now macroeconomic factors brutal all of a sudden interest rates are 500 basis points higher than they were a year ago and you know, it's already called, caused bank failures, as we know. There's a lot of other banks that are going, holy crap, how, you know, all of a sudden we're under all this pressure. We thought, you know, interest rates would go up. We'd charge more for loans. Well, uh, you know, lo some loans adjust, a lot of loans don't. Um, so we really, I mean, being a banker for a long time has been a, a major competitive advantage for us because we, we actually have sat in liquidity meetings and, and we're still alive. So, um, it, it's, uh, there's a lot more to it than just coming up with a clever slogan and finding the right person to send it to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, it really probably has helped to build a brand for you as well, right? That with that kind of concentration and, and, and focus, uh, that, Probably a lot of bank marketers, when they're thinking of, you know, connecting with an agency, they think of BKM. 
So Bruce, you've been involved in omni-channel marketing for quite a long time. Uh, our listeners really are here to get some tips and, and advice from professionals like yourself. So what are, what are your top three tips for marketers when they're thinking about uh, a, an omni-channel campaign that includes direct mail and digital marketing together? Oh, hey, um, that in itself is a tip, Dennis. Use everything at your disposal. So, I love um, it. you know, some people, I mean, mail actually is, is, everyone keeps saying it's making a comeback. I don't think it ever went away. If it was done well, it was always been doing a great job. But all of it starts with data. If you're going to integrate a message, and try to get it in front of the right people at the right time, like we were just talking about. Um, you have to come up with segments, and um, you know, it, it's really interesting how there's so many different ways you can segment. You know, in, in a lot of industries, age and income. Let's go after people who have money, or and or they keep getting money, and um, we know that they're, uh, you know, 45. Okay. Um, that's not really segmentation because how do you know someone with money who's 45 needs what you have to offer? Better segmentation is let's go after folks, uh, simple example, who, um, live in homes that have a 20 year old roof and we can find that out. And let's, um, come up with a product that makes it like, who wants to buy a roof? No one wants to buy a roof. Um, someone comes to you and say, you need to spend $20,000 on a roof. You know, it's like they go out to dinner and celebrate, right? No. Um, I happen to be roof shopping as we speak and I'm not happy about it. No. Um, so you can, but hopefully uh, there's, you know, data that a roofing, contractor or uh, you know manufacturers is using to uh, find out that you need to have a new roof um, you know maybe it's an insurance claim maybe it's um, just a simple age of your house and um, that's not easy to do necessarily but that kind of segment is very that makes sense let's do our data homework rather than say geez you know Dennis makes money and he's um, but you know, you know, you're what, 37, 38 now? Um, yeah. <laughs> In my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's not going to help. But you need to. So, the other thing that's going to happen getting to the integrated piece of it, though, is odds are you're saying, crap, we need a roof. I don't want to pay too much for my roof. So, you're actually going to go and start looking for a roof. And you might find, find uh, content out there that says, um, don't want to buy a roof, read this. That'll get your attention. And you might download it and then you'll say, geez, okay, I'm going to give him my email address. I don't want to get a whole bunch of stuff here, but um, maybe you'll even give your postal address. So we can better assess the needs of your, of your current roof. It would be very helpful if we had an address. And roofing companies will actually take that address and then be able to look on Google Maps and do an estimate and then have all these software programs. Jeez, I, I mean, you, you probably have a ten thousand square foot roof, Dennis, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I, I have a house built in 1811. And uh, so I, I've got a, a lot of roof that is uh, very, very old. Good. So, but they can give you an estimate based on that. So that's maybe, you know, how much is this going to cost? So you, it, here's a segment that just, it's a very simple segment, but whatever business you're in, segment based on the need. Don't segment based on things that uh, are easy to buy because they're not going to get you where you need to go. We do a lot of lifestyle marketing. So we, we use um, Axiom products. We use uh, Claritas Nielsen products to do modeling so that we take a look at who your best customers are, uh, come up with uh, you know, metrics that describe them in ways that you can action against and also apply needs against. And then, so that's the best segment. And that's something everybody needs to do. The other piece of omni-channel is, uh, you know, not spending too much. It's very easy to spend too much if you're doing omni-channel. Um, and the way to find out if you're spending too much is, uh, measurement. So very important to measure everything. Um, our, our perfect equation, um, we actually find, and we have great discussions with our media agency friends and partners, but we find that starting with postal data and then applying that into um, the, the internet spaces um, leads to more effective targeting. And um, this is assuming you need to create demand. So. You know, another thing about direct mail is it can create demand based on your perceived need by putting a message that someone isn't searching for in front of them. But if you do the same thing in, with IP targeted banner ads and what those are, are we can match your postal address to a residential router address. doesn't work as well in B2B, although there's new technologies out that use um, you know, device locations, handheld device locations to do that kind of targeting. But we can start serving banner ads at the same time we're going to be sending mail. So if we know mail is going to hit on a Monday, and you can target pretty accurately now when the piece is actually going to be delivered, um, we'll start serving banner ads to the household um, you know, right beforehand and right afterwards. And then when the mail comes, we're seeing lifts. We actually had one client that got an 88% lift versus mail only doing this type of um you know timing the wow. other thing that you, know, you guys are so good at and every hopefully your listeners know how good you are at it is triggered direct mail which and you can always you can trigger it on you know many different ways but once you've actually gone to the roofers website dennis and gave them your your information um odds are you would want to see a piece of direct mail that's targeted against your need uh, in your mailbox within three to five days. And I only, there's a couple of companies that can do it. I only know one company that does it really well, and that's yours. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, it's, a, it's a key part of the story. And it's really, yeah. you know, compared to traditional direct mail, sort of shrinking that timeline, right, to, to deliver yeah. that highly personalized piece of mail so that it's so that it's pretty close to whatever the event is that is uh, that ultimate trigger. Mm -hmm. But this all takes planning. Um, you know, a real campaign, um, we always say, uh, you know, you need eight weeks to, to get this done correctly. Um, sometimes you need more. Uh, but, you know, to really understand needs and apply, you know, a segmentation that makes sense, they, oh, the other thing you like to do 
then this gets a little more complicated is you know, usually profitability based segmentation as well. So, you know, once you've figured out your audience, which segment of that is actually going to make the most money for your company. And um, it's easy to get lost in the weeds and, and forget that. So I should point that out. And then absolutely, I guess the last point when you're doing um, omni-channel marketing is you always want to be testing something. Because um, if you're not testing something, then odds are you are spending too much money over the long term. We get more excited about something that flops, so we know we don't do it again, than something that's a true winner because, um, I mean, I guess they're both, it's, maybe we get more excited about the winner. What am I talking about? But we get as excited about it <laughs> because um, usually you can learn a lot from that. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, uh, one thing that comes to mind with those IP banner ads uh, you know, at Postalytics and, and some of the other direct mail automation tools, uh, we're, we're actually capturing the IMB, uh, intelligent mail barcode data from the postal service so that, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're broadcasting out through our APIs and our integrations, uh, when every single piece of mail is going to be delivered within, say, a 24 hour window. Right. And, and so, you know, that can be a triggering mechanism the other way, right? So that the mail and the delivery data can trigger those banner ads to start showing mm -hmm. up uh, with very precise timing. So yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of ways that this, that the data surrounding direct mail can be used in that omni-channel environment. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of our more successful campaigns in the last couple of years it started with postal data that was fed into a, a media platform and you know, using IP addresses that um, were, were driving it and mail was going at the same time. But it was the IP address banner ads that started the programmatic uh, and lookalikes that became non-postal. So... Um, you know, my media friends would call it, oh, you mean traditional digital? No, no <laughs> traditional, but um, and it, it's so easy. But the, the one thing that um, I, I like about direct mail too is that it, it's perceived to be expensive and it is. And that means you actually watch your dollars on direct mail a lot more so than you do on, oh, we're, we're going to get $5 for 4 million impressions. Um, <laughs> I think I'm exaggerating on both things, but um, <laughs> because it's it's perceived to be lower value, um, it, it tends to be less productive because it's not watched as closely. People feel like they're, um, you know, they don't need to watch it as closely. Awesome. Well, let's let's transition over to the um, uh, sustainable marketing. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so, Bruce, we discussed at the beginning uh, that that you know you've published a lot of, of material and you've got a, a clear passion around the notion of sustainable marketing. Uh, and, and indeed, you've invested heavily in, in green uh, in several uh, different capacities. So, uh, so tell us more about yeah. what got you interested there and, 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 and how can omni-channel marketers work to reduce the, the footprint of their campaigns? 
it, it, it is such a huge question, and um, it, it, it's also a critical question we all have to answer. And um, you know, the, the interest started, uh, you know, when we started, you know, figuring out, you know, how many pieces of direct mail have we actually, you know, put out on the planet, and how many trees did that take? Um, and you know, the answer no no one really knows. I mean, we, we knew, you know, we've done you know, hundreds of millions of direct mail pieces over the years. And so in 2020, we um, engaged a class of uh, MBA students. Um, this was during the pandemic. Um, and it, actually, it was a, a group from Suffolk University's business school. And we had 29 students in few different countries, actually, um, take a look at two problems. One, we, we wanted them to calculate our company's carbon footprint. And then we also wanted them to figure out, you know, what is the marketing industry in general doing um, to our environment? And, you know, what I was expecting to see is, you know, direct mail was absolutely horrible for the environment and, you know, done improperly and with a lot of waste. Um, it, I, let's face it, you know, we are cutting down trees. We're using all sorts of um, fossil fuels to get, you know, the trees cut, shipped to a place where they can be processed into paper. And then, uh, you, know, you know, from there it goes to a, a printer to be, you know, printed and off into a separate mail house from there and then trucked someplace to a postal facility. And then it gets in all these smaller trucks and then you know so there's a lot of stuff going on there these group this group looked really hard at that and then they also looked at the impact of digital marketing and that's where the eye-opener was um four percent of uh what they you know, we'll just call them greenhouse gas emissions stem to, to marketing and it's getting worse because of the increased use of video and the amount of server space that requires both where it's being served from people keeping it on their own devices uh, sharing it through email um, and you know some of the statistics were really eye-opening um, and as, as best we can calculate them Europe is light years ahead of of uh, other con other continents, shall we say, other uh, political entities, in terms of trying to address you know the impact of climate change and measuring it. Um, but you know, there's a bunch of studies that came out of there, um, and it, we could go on and on for about this. But just for perspective, a piece of direct mail, all in, uh, and this is a big piece of direct mail, not a postcard. This is a piece of direct mail with maybe four pieces of paper inside it. So think of like a fundraising piece of direct mail. Um, contributes about 20 grams of CO2 into the environment. So one piece. That's a lot. Let's, but a spam email, which is sent out much in just volume so high you can't even calculate it, is 0.3 grams. A regular email, 4 grams. An email with an attached photo, 50 grams. And the volume of just these emails is no, no one knows. I mean, it's, it's it's impossible to actually count how many of those are out there. So then you start looking at you know digital display and all that kind of stuff, and you say, holy crap! Forget what channel we're talking about. How are marketers actually going to change their mindset about how we do better messaging? 
and it gets back to data again. Um, we talked about the low cost of digital marketing, or at least perceived low cost. It, it's it's absolutely the worst part of the everything we do to, for the environment, and um, a lot of that is because it has a whole bunch of waste. Uh, it just people. Uh, oh, we have. 50,000 email addresses, let's use them all. Again, getting back to segmentation. That's the best thing we can do as marketers. But the other thing we can do is really start measuring the impact of every single program. We measure the cost of a program. Let's measure the, the amount of carbon it takes to do a program and then compare that to um, some form of offsetting it or reducing that carbon. So... It's the ROI call calculation for um, for carbon. It's, you, you, there's carbon calculators out there uh, that require a lot of assumptions, but you know we do it. We did it. We we figured out you know our our programs, you know, on average generate around two thousand tons of carbon a month, and um, I am pretty confident with that. Right now, we're, we are offsetting that at no cost to, to clients. Um, we just take a portion of our profits. And for digital, we use a, a, a calculator that um, you know, takes into account you know, if we do air travel, if we do you know, whatever we do. And in terms of the amount of digital um, impressions we create, we have a formula that we offset through TerraPass. And for direct mail, we've partnered with a company called One Tree Planted. Uh, it's, it's an organization, not a company. Uh, it's based in Vermont. It has grown globally, but for every 1,000 pieces of direct mail we make, we actually plant a tree. And um, don't ask me how many pieces of direct mail fit in a tree. The answer is it depends <laughs> on the size of the tree. <laughs> Um, it's very, so you just have to assume, but, um, you know, having gone through this with, you know, some folks that, you know, understand the science of this, um, it, it's, it's, we, we feel like we have achieved net zero and then some by doing that. Very cool. Very cool. The well, obvious thing uh, here too is like mail uses paper. Um, why don't we, you know, just insist on using recycled paper? So when we started this in 2020, this uh, inconvenient thing called the pandemic uh, was here and supply chain issues, you know, for paper in particular were brutal. The cost of paper, you know, went up 4x at one point versus pre-pandemic time. It settled down a little bit, but um, creating recycled stock, uh, still that, that market has not caught up and we have not been able to make it financially attractive I mean, maybe you found other ways, Dennis, I don't know. But in terms of our supply chain, we have not been able to figure out a way to make it financially attractive for clients to, to still use the benefits of direct mail, which aren't perfect, but uh, neither is digital. And um, go from there. Yeah, yeah. I think that the takeaway is there is no perfect solution, right? Like so, you, you, We're going to have a, a footprint of some kind, uh, but... But really, you know, I think it's so interesting you talk about the data and 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 so the idea of kind of triggered direct rifle shot marketing as opposed to spray and pray, whether it's email, whether it's direct mail or anything else, that's such a an important evolution 
in how we think about huge, huge economic and environmental impact. You have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Great. Well, uh, Bruce, as we wrap up here, uh, if, if we have listeners that, that want to get in touch, uh, want to learn more about, you know, uh, BKM, uh, your thoughts on sustainable marketing, how, how would our listeners get in touch with you? Um, best way is, um, I send me a letter. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> the best way to get in touch with us and learn, learn more about, um, you know, how we approach, uh, integrated omni-channel marketing is to visit us at bkmmarketing.com. If you're interested more in more detail about our study, um, regarding sustainable marketing, we've actually, uh, uh, started putting together a, a subsite called netzeronow.marketing. And that's actually a piece on our BKM site. You can get there the same way. But, uh, you know, that's where we actually track our own uh, carbon and offsets that we're, we're creating. But hopefully that'll become a community one of these days when we have time to build that out. It's important. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, Bruce McMeekin, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you on today, uh, Direct Mail Automation School. Um, I think you've got some amazing things going on uh, as, as a practice. Uh, and, and I'm going to check out netzero.marketing. It sounds really like a, like a great site. Uh, and uh, appreciate uh, your time. And, and I hope uh, you enjoyed our get-together today. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, you know, congratulations on all, all you've done for the industry in a smart way. Well, thank you very much.